you think you know what we're going to talk about. But unfortunately, I fell down a damn rabbit hole and I've not gotten out yet. <laughs> Knife bros. I literally googled Sebastian Stan hands. But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. Well, yeah, because like, usually in astrology, they would partner up air signs with fire signs. All right, you can, you can hoggle. Time travel stories. and At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. Well, we should make it a topic. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't take German in school. I barely took, I took Spanish and I don't remember any of it. Three Fates Decide podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Sam. Welcome back to Three Fates Decide. I am here with my two co-hosts, Liz and Mary. Say hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. And tonight we are going to be going through another Marvel movie that came out in 2021, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So this one came out in August of 2021 and it was the ninth grossest highest grossing film of 2021 fun fact for you it grossed over 432 million worldwide there you go it was released in the U.S. September 3rd as part of phase four the MCU so we're going to as usual go through a quick synopsis I'll do my best of going through it and just prefacing this I apologize well in advance if I screw up any of these names I will do my best but I'm sorry Um, spoiler alert coming up people spoiler alert if you have not watched this movie don't and don't want to be spoiled do not listen to this recording correct but it is available now for your convenience on Disney Plus shameless plug exactly (laughs) we are not sponsored by Disney Plus but Disney hit us up yeah, seriously. Disney, Marvel. Come on. Hey, come on now. We've been talking about your stuff for a few episodes already, so. Seriously. <laughs> let, 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 let's, just, let, let, let's just talk. We, we, we can come to some type of agreement. I know we can. Seriously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So, again, as Mary said, spoiler alert. Um. Let's get into this movie. So, so around a thousand years ago, Shu Wenwu discovers the mystical Ten Rings, which grant immortality and godly-like powers. Uh, he establishes what's called the Ten Rings Organization, and it starts conquering kingdoms and destroying governments all throughout history. And... In 1996, Wenwu searches for Ta Lo, which is a village which is said to harbor mythical beasts. And he travels through this magic forest to the village entrance, but is stopped by the guardian who's called Ying Li. They have this like crazy battle, which is kind of like dance fighting, is like how I am going to describe it. (laughs) And (laughs) they wind up falling in love and you know, when they go to the Tallow villagers, they reject Wenwu, and Lee chooses to leave with him. They get married, and they have two children, who is Shang-Chi 
and Shai Ling. And Wen Wu abandons his organization and he locks away the Ten Rings to just, you know, be with his his fam. Um, when Shang-Chi is seven, Li is murdered by Wen Wu's enemies, who's called the Iron Gang. And Wen Wu decides to don, don, excuse me, don the Ten Rings again and massacres the entire Iron Gang and resumes leadership of the whole organization and basically starts up the Ten Rings organization again. He makes Shang-Chi undergo like ridiculous martial arts training, but doesn't allow Shai Ling to train because she's female. And basically, she secretly decides to teach herself. When Shang-Chi is 14, Wen Wu sends him to assassinate uh, the Iron Gang's leader. And because he was so traumatized by the mission, he decides to run away and runs away to San Francisco, California, and decides to go under the name Sean. So now we are in present day, and Shang-Chi works as a parking valet with his best friend, Katie, who basically doesn't know anything about who he is, uh, only who he is now, not about his past. Um, they get attacked by the Ten Rings on like on a bus, because they're trying to steal the pendant that Li, his mother, gave to Shang-Chi. That battle was freaking, like, ridiculously awesome, I'm just saying. So (laughs) after after that, Shang-Chi decides to fly out to find his sister, um, because he's scared that the Ten Rings are going to go after her, because she also has the matching pendant. He winds up telling Katie who he is, and Katie, being the good friend that she is, uh, insists on helping him and goes with him. They find Xiling at an underground fight club in Macaw, and uh, which she created after escaping Wenwu at 16. The Ten Rings do show up. They do attack the fight club, and uh, Wenwu arrives, and he captures Shang-Chi, Katie, Xiling, and takes her pendant as well. A group of them are taken to the Ten Rings compound, and Wenwu uses the pendants to reveal a mystical map that leads to Ta Lo. Wenwu explains that he keeps hearing his deceased wife, Lee, calling out to him and thinks that she's being held captive in Ta Lo behind the sealed gate, and he plans on going and destroying the village and releasing her. And, you know... Katie and Shang-Chi and Xiling, they're trying to tell him, like, it's not a good idea. And so he basically imprisons them instead because they're not going to help him. So, you know, he got what he needed from them. Bye-bye. So then the three meet former actor Trevor Slattery, whom the Ten Rings imprisoned because he was impersonating Wenwu. If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Iron Man. Right? Was Iron Man one? 3. Iron Man 3, yeah. Three. Iron Man 3. He impersonated Wenwu, so he was imprisoned. Um, so they find Trevor and his Hundun companion, Morris, who offers to guide them to Talo. A group manages to escape and gets to Talo, which exists in a separate dimension and, you know, has the 
various uh, Chinese mystical creatures, they wind up meeting Lee's sister, Ying Nan, who explains the history of Ta Lo and basically tells them that thousands of years ago, the universe was containing the village, that the universe that was containing the village was attacked by the soul-consuming dweller in darkness and its soul eaters. But it was saved by a Chinese dragon called the Great Protector who helped seal the dark gate to the dweller's world. And according to Nan, the dweller in darkness has been impersonating Lee so that when we will use the Ten Rings to open the gate. So Shang-Chi, Xiling, and Katie join the villagers to train and prepare for when Wenwu arrives and, you know, because they know he's going to show up there to try and break the, the gate. Uh, Wenwu and the Ten Rings do arrive and attack. Uh, Wenwu is able to overpower Shang-Chi and forces him into a nearby lake, which separates the village from the gate. And then heads to the gate to go attack the rings. And as he's attacking the gate, it is starting to split open. And some of the dweller's soul eaters are able to escape. And is and killing, you know, villagers, ten rings, you know, whatever. So the ten rings decide to join forces with the villagers to attack the, well, the soul eaters. Great Protector is able, which if you remember I said is the dragon, uh, is able to revive Shang-Chi and basically brings him uh, back from the lake to battle the Soul Eaters. Wenwu and Shang-Chi fight again, and Shang-Chi is able to actually gain the upper hand and basically has a chance to finally kill his father and decides to spare him. The Dweller in Darkness, though, does manage to escape because... When Wu did manage to weaken the gate so much and it attacks Shang-Chi, Wen Wu finally becomes a good father and saves Shang-Chi and by bequeathing him the rings before being killed by the dweller in darkness. Um, Shang-Chi, the great protector, Zaling, and Katie, along with everyone else, managed to kill the dweller in darkness. Afterwards, Shang-Chi and Katie returned to San Francisco. Um, and get confronted by a sorcerer named Wong. And if you don't know who Wong is, that's from Doctor Strange. And he summons them to Kamartage. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. And then there is a mid credit scene where Wong introduces Shang-Chi and Katie to Bruce Banner and Carol Danvers while researching the ring's origin. And they discover that the rings are acting as a beacon to something. And then there's a post-credit scene where Zha Ling becomes the new leader to the Ten Rings compound and is allowing women and men to train side by side, even though she had told Shang-Chi that she was going to span the entire organization. And that is the end. Yay. You got through it. <laughs> we yeah, got real good. Yeah. It actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, what did we think? Overall, I liked it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, I liked it, but there was a few things that I just thought were a little too tropey, and I was like, they really could have done something different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were a couple of things that, um, were kind of like, eh, but I got past it. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought the movie overall was actually very 
well done. Um, I know, like, we were concerned about, like, quote-unquote campiness, especially since, you know, tends to be whenever you talk about, you know, Chinese or Asian history, you know, they, these Hollywood studios tend to, I don't want to say overdo it, but they, they, like, I don't know. They make it campy, basically. Like they, I guess, overdo it is kind of a good way of putting it. Like they just, you know, don't make it as authentic. They, they go overboard with trying to make it authentic that it's not authentic. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel that too much in this. I thought that you know they didn't go too crazy, but that's just me. Um, but, but I thought the casting was was really well done. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Special effects I thought were pretty good. It was a mix of funny and, uh, you know, obviously had the action and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, you have Aquafina and something and you know it's going to be funny. So she was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought she, like, I mean, at first, like, I wasn't sure about her because, you know, I mean, she's a comedian and, she mostly does comedic roles, which isn't to say that Marvel doesn't have comedy in it. It does. But, you know, at first, like, I was kind of like, wondering um, how she fits in. But I guess, like, she's kind of like the audience. Uh, ca- like, she's like the character that kind of represents the audience a bit where mm-hmm. she's like pulled into this like crazy situation and like wondering what is going on? And, you know, that's kind of like us as the audience as well. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> Why are these people after yeah. you? What? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think my main issue, it really stemmed down to the very first quote unquote, not the, not the martial arts, fight scene between Wenwu and what the hell's her name again? Yeah, her. That one was great. That that was beautiful. I I, I love dance fighting. Yes. But the the the, the Shang-Chi bus scene, I'm like, damn it! I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. It was beautifully shot. It was a it, it was well done. It's just so freaking tropey. I'm like, really? You know, you notice it happens like in almost every Marvel movie. There's something like that. I know. I know. And I mean, I think that's my that's my biggest. I know I'm I'm whining now, but that's my biggest issue with the Marvel movies. Is there's always the, the it's like they just throw in a fight scene that really didn't need to be there. I mean, I guess like the justification for it was it reintroduces the Ten Rings back into his life after avoiding them for so long. I mean, that's that's their justification for it. I know, but it it just it's still just it's just to to me it just felt a little too tropey, and I was like, (sighs) no, I get it, I get it. Typical fight scene. I mean, I. I think I think it was more the big the big uh, I don't know if he was necessarily Russian with that had the freaking mm-hmm. uh, 
raised the uh, red hot razor blade yeah, for an uh, arm. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm, I'm like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Actually, like, uh, it's only now that I'm thinking about, but you know, actually, that bus fight scene actually reminds me a lot of like some of those um, Jackie Chan uh, films, actually. <laughs> it did and that was it that's what i was thinking i was like all you need is chris rock and this is a jackie chan movie <laughs> well actually it's kind of funny like like watching the movie i found myself really feeling like they took some i'm trying to think what's the best way to describe it like a lot of hom homages to a lot of like i don't want to call them classic but like a lot of well-known like Chinese movies, like the like like the scene that you guys really seem to enjoy watching was like the first fight scene between um, when uh, Wen Wu and um, Ying Li first met each other. That whole like fight scene. Well, I, I remember while I was watching it, I was like, I was really reminded a lot of um, of uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, actually. Oh my god, yeah. okay, so wait, yeah. I just, I'm reading something right now? Right. And it says, for the film's action scenes, Cretton drew inspiration from a range of different fighting styles due to Shang-Chi being trained in different types of martial arts. These include the elegant, almost ethereal wushu style from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and the kinetic fights of Jackie Chan films. So, like, what the heck? There guys? you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, I've I've grown up watching a lot of these kind of movies. Um, that's why I, like I kind of recognized some of yeah. the stylings to it. Um, it's not a bad <laughs> thing. It's not. No, a bad that's amazing. Yeah, honestly, thinking about it now, like that, I keep calling it like dance fighting, but it is. It's like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where it's very you know fluid motion, and it's like the whole body <laughs> kind of like going into it or whatever, like. It's right. true. That is a very now that I'm now that I read that and you said that I was like, oh, you know, it oh. like in particular, yeah, in particular, it really reminded me a lot of that scene in Crouching Tiger where they were fighting in the bamboo forest and they're like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, running, jumping, f flying through, you know, uh, you know, using the stalks mm -hmm. to, you know, like. Oh ha! You know I'm over here. You're over there, and you know I'm gonna race. You know chase after you through this and that. You know, it, it's that was like a visual recall to me a little bit. Um, mm. Actually, another one I thought was um, I thought of actually was um, Hero. Actually, that was another very good movie where they have similar visuals, uh, especially the way they use the color palette in some of the tallow scenes. The way they okay. use like uh bright, mm -hmm. you know, like I don't want to say primary colors, but it's like you you kind of tell like there's a certain color that they're using as like the theme of the scene, which is something they do in Hero. Um, but yes. <laughs> um, any other things that you guys liked about the movie? I mean, there's quite a bit we could get into. Well, I know, Liz, me and you were talking about this yesterday. Um, the the actual, the mythical creatures that they used for the the, the um, tallow scenes 
Right. Um, Morris, for one. Basically, we've, we've all decided we want Morris. We don't care that he's a chaos, technically a chaos monster. I want Morris. Yeah, and, there's and, plushies of him out there. I, I'm going to have to buy myself a plushie Morris because I want Morris. He, he's a freaking adorable. Yeah, he is cute. He, he was so stinking cute. And I was very, very, very happy to see that they actually used a correct dragon for the culture. And not just Boy. slap slap any old dragon in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Because um, in traditional Chinese art, when you look at a dragon, you know it's a very different dragon from your classic Western knights exactly. in shining armor fantasy. Exactly. Like, it, like they look different from, you know, the Game of Thrones dragons. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, you know, aside from the stylistic approach of the art it's also very visually indicative of how they are very separate types of creatures like you have the western concept of a dragon being like a destroyer representation of like greed and stuff like that with the you know the gold hoarding thing Mm -hmm. and in asia in general the dragon is meant to be almost like a benevolent god nature god of a sort where I mean, they can still do negative things if you piss them off, but if they choose to be kind to you, they'll bring rain for your crops, you know, things like that. So, you know, I, I, I did appreciate how visually they look like they are Chinese-style dragons, and they did it in a way where you could actually believe that this is a real creature and not, like, somehow like stereotypically cartoony looking yeah yeah i mean and it was well the the animation for it was well drawn Mm -hmm. and very very i felt accurate from any pictures that i've actually seen of like murals and stuff that have that where they've painted these dragons right in pictures is like it it looked just like it's like they really did their homework with it and it yeah. just kind of, kind of like i hate to say it, but half-ass it with something mm-hmm. you know right and like we were seeing, right they did really well with that and with almost all the other mythical creatures too because the the nine-tailed fox right that was i i, I want one of them too by the way i'll take it <laughs> yeah. i'll take a i'll take a morris and a nine-tailed fox please yeah I mean, yeah, like we were saying with Morris, the thing is that when you look up, like, you know, pictures of what, uh, of like different drawings of like Hundun, he looks exactly like one. He looks like what this picture would be like if it was a real creature with fur and everything. I mean, you know, and so, but he also looks so soft and squishy. Like you want to pick him up and give him a hug. Mm hmm. And a yeah, pat pat on the head. I was so nervous that Morris and or the dragon were were gonna get killed. That's like like my yeah. that was like my fear. Yeah, yeah. And and to be fair, the dragon almost did. Almost did. Yes. Almost. Yeah. Saved him. We saved him. Yeah. 
I was like, please, not the dragon. <laughs> I would have been sadder about Morris, to be honest. I would have cried. Yeah. You know, but I have a thing for like those type of, you know, whether it's like a Morris or whatever, because it's like, either like, like animals, like, you know, pets or whatever. And it's like, they're innocence, yeah. even though like the dragon is like, you know, fighting, but it's like, they're innocence. It's just <laughs> how I think of it. Yeah. <laughs> They're not real, but damn it. I thought I just like they're especially Morris. He's he was so innocent. Well, that just goes to show you like how much effort they went into to like making this thing so lovable. And mm -hmm. all it does is kind of noises. Basically, he just made a bunch of cute, really cute noises, and I'm like, I want him. Yeah, with his little wings. <laughs> you completely forget he has no face. I know. It, like in your mind, you actually kind of see it. Mm -hmm. I know. You 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 kind of picture the face there, even though yeah. it's not yeah. there. I can totally see his face. It's an adorable <laughs> little face. That's just how magical it is, like what they did. Yes. Is it bad that I'm seriously thinking of actually buying a Morris plush from Amazon? Well, they are out there. Like, I've seen pictures of it. No, like, seriously, I'm looking at Amazon right now. Actually, you know what? Okay, I have to make a... I, I have to, like, mention that um, other than the dragon and the fox and the... the well... We would call we call it a phoenix, but it's not really a phoenix. But you know, it's a it's a firebird. Other than like those creatures and a couple others, like I didn't recognize some of the animals because um my my knowledge of Chinese mythology is extremely limited because like uh, my mom's side of the family uh, converted to Catholicism and. My dad is not particularly, like, religious or anything like that in general. So I didn't grow up with that much knowledge of, like, traditional religious belief or knowledge of, like, mythology. So I had to actually look up what some of these things were. And the funny thing I found out about Hundun is that there is um, a connection to wonton dumplings. <laughs> which is really funny actually yeah i i literally just looked it up and they and this article i found they said they were using um they they were using morris because they used like um real animals like ostriches and like wombats and things like that and they basically said that morris is basically they used a wombat for but just made it into Morris. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, like how the, yeah. did everything. Yeah, I mean, with imaginary creatures, you have to, like, use real animals to figure out how they move and behave to make it more real. Especially when, you know, the creature that you're trying to work with, you know, doesn't exist at all. I mean, it's one thing if it was, like, an extinct animal and you're just mm -hmm. extrapolating... Uh -huh. From various clues, like how it may have moved and behaved and even what it sounded like. But yeah, you kind of have to wing it with imaginary creatures. 
Yeah. I have some trivia. Uh, sure, go ahead. In the late 1980s, Stanley had considered a film or TV series about Shang-Chi and had in mind Brandon Lee, who is the son of Bruce Lee, for the role. And Shang-Chi was visually based on Bruce Lee. So right. Brandon obviously seemed like the best choice since it's his son, but it never happened. Yeah. Okay. Simu Lu, uh, when he was cast as Shang-Chi, he already knew how to do Taekwondo, gymnastics, and Wing Chun. And right. then he got trained in Tai Chi, Wushu, Mai Tai, uh... Krav Maga, Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, street fighting, like, and I read he put on, like, an extra 10 pounds of just pure muscle. This. This is his first starring role. Right. Uh, he's always just been secondary. Aquafina was first person casted for this movie. And in, uh, Xiling's Fight Club, apparently, on the lower tier, one of the fights was between one of the widows, appeared in Black Widow, and uh, an enhanced with extremist treatment from Iron Man 3. So those two were fighting down at the bottom level. So now I'm going to have to watch it again and look for that. Yeah, because I didn't. I'm going to have to watch it again the, for the third time just to find that because I just, didn't see that. Right? When I read that, I was like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, Simu tweeted, and I'm sure everyone has kind of heard this, tweeted in December of 2008 asking Marvel to, number one, make this movie and to put him up for the role. And then <laughs> in 2019, he tweeted, he retweeted the original tweet and just went, thank you. Manifesting <laughs> works. <laughs> well, but I'll tell you, they, they did very well in uh, casting him in the role. Oh yeah, he was he was so good. He was so good. Yeah, you would have I if I didn't know that it was his first quote unquote lead role, I would have thought he'd been doing it for years. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's pretty yeah, he's pretty funny about like talking about his career up to this point. <laughs> the <Yeah>. stock photos. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him now. Uh, yeah, hopefully this opens uh, a lot of doors for him. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it will. Because that's imagine like all all the other kids who are like, "See, you can do it." <laughs> exactly. Um, they started filming in March of 2020. They didn't get very far because then they had to stop due to COVID. But they were actually the first movie to restart filming. At the end of July of 2020. Um, yeah, first feature film to reopen Disney's operations globally after the lockdown. They were filming in Australia. Yeah, actually quite a few of the upcoming movies were filming in Australia. Um, because yeah. for a few months it was like the place that had that was like almost well, almost COVID free. But yeah, that we know how long that stayed. Yeah. Unfortunately. And then Simu found out about getting the role of Shang-Chi after waking up from a nap. 
in his underwear eating shrimp crackers. He said that he got a call from Kevin Feige giving him the role along with asking him to come to Comic-Con in four days. <laughs> Imagine being like, uh, what? <laughs> I'm not sure like which is which is the weirder casting news story, that one or Henry Cavill, really. Oh, Fine yeah, him. him Fine with uh, Superman. Yeah. I don't know that story. Because he was too busy playing uh, World of Warcraft. And he missed the phone call and had to go to voicemail. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that one about cattle. Super, super gaming nerd. Yeah, right. Yeah. Man after my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, so that's the pretty much only what I found uh, the cool is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like, I thought it was like really great how like they did cast like mostly Asian actors um, mm -hmm. in the movie, which was good. Yeah. So, time to expand. Yeah, horizons. but I, I, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I I absolutely love Ben Kingsley, who played Trevor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it made sense to include him in it because, as far as we know, it really did. The character is still alive. Right. Right. So, and, and the fact he did um, impersonate quote-unquote the mandarin and it's like mm -hmm. i i know in that bonus um in that bonus uh short film they indicated that he was kidnapped by you know members of the ten rings to bring back to their boss to punish him and it was kind of left as a, at a as a question mark like what happened to him after that well now we got the answer yes <laughs> thank god he had morris <laughs> I know. I, I just love the fact he's like, you can see him? Oh, thank God, I thought I've been hallucinating him this entire time. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny to me how, like, uh, well, I mean, I, well, obviously Katie wouldn't know what, what Morris is, but it was also kind of funny to me, like, how Shang-Chi doesn't know what he is either. Which goes to show you is that, like, you know, not all uh, younger generation uh, Chinese people necessarily know these things right. either. Um, so I'm not. So I'm not the only anomaly here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're like, they're like freaking out. They're like, "What is that thing? What is it?" He's like, "What? That thing? Oh, you can see him! <laughs> Such fabulous news." I thought I'd been hallucinating him this entire time. Though, to be fair, even if he was hallucinating Morris, at least uh, being able to talk to uh, something that you think is there does make you feel less lonely. True. This is true. That is very true. <laughs> even in my wildest uh, imaginations, could I have ever, I could never have imagined a creature like Morris. I don't know, maybe when you were three, you might have. <laughs> I don't even think at three I would have imagined something like Morris. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes kids can surprise you. No, well, considering my, my imaginary friend was named Lisa. 
And she's the one who drew on drew drew on the wall with crayon. Was it me? Yeah. <laughs> but that's a whole other topic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, one of well, since we were talking about the casting, I one thing I was really impressed by was they actually cast uh, Tony Lung uh, Lung. Well, that's how I pronounce his name anyway. Uh, most of you guys could pronounce it as Tony Leung. Um, but it, it was really impressive they, ca- they were able to get him to do this because um, for people who aren't familiar, he's like very well known in a lot of Hong Kong movies. I mean, he's like one of those like legends of Hong Kong cinema. So... Being able to cast an actor like him to do a movie like this is pretty pretty big deal. Since like he, I don't think he's done too many uh, Western movies before. Actually, actually, I mentioned this movie earlier, Hero, but he was actually one of the lead characters in Hero. Um, he was also in Lost Caution. He was also in. Um, Chungking Express and In the Mood for Love, quite quite a few other like um, well known movies in Hong Kong cinema. If, you, if anybody's ever watched any of those movies, you you would know him. So, but wow, that 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 was impressive that they got him to do this. So, huh. yeah, and I'm pretty sure like like a, a lot of people are familiar with Michelle Yeoh. At this yeah. point, like, she's done like quite a few Hollywood movies now. And, and in fact, like we mentioned in the movie earlier, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is what really made people aware of who she is. So, yeah, no, I thought, I mean, you know, I, I thought, like I said, the casting was really well. I, you know, it, it was nice to, you know, I had no complaints as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, they had, you know, obviously we mentioned like it, it was nice to have, you know, um, the Asian community kind of brought more into like the MCU and all that stuff and having Asian actors uh, casted for the roles. And then they also had the, an Asian director as well. Right. So. Right. It was just, you know, I just thought it was put together very well. And it, yeah. it was liked i mean i think on rotten tomatoes it had a 91 percent uh, rating oh yeah. yeah which is great yeah um i'm very intrigued with this what the sequel will be presumably the sequel is gonna dive into the rings themselves because like we said earlier in one of those like uh bonus scenes in the credits uh-huh they indicate that there seems to be some kind of signal, you know, beaming out to somewhere, to something uh, from the rings. So I would imagine that the sequel will explore that. Because, I mean, it's not like, I can't imagine that this would get explored in like another movie altogether. That's not, that's not the sequel, you know. Yeah. I'd say they're probably going to explore the fact that um Zhao Ling didn't uh disband the ten rings like she said she was going to. Yeah. 
It's kind of funny. Actually, um, I was aware of the Mandarin as an Iron Man villain, like back, you know, back when like they were doing Iron Man cartoon series in the 90s that I had seen uh, some of the episodes of. So I was aware of the character being, you know, a villain. But other than that, I wasn't overly familiar with him in any other respect. So I did look up the character a bit more, like what the comic books were saying. And, you know, it, 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 it in like they mentioned that obviously the Mandarin had 10 actual rings. They weren't like the bands that we see in the movie. They were like actual rings. And apparently the rings were uh, remnants of an alien spaceship that he kind of, created into like a ring form so that he has access to some of the technology from the ship so he can use those as his like abilities to do all sorts of stuff so now i'm kind of wondering now if because like they're indicating that these rings are emitting some kind of signal presumably into outer space and even carol and bruce were kind of like suspecting there's something alien about it Mm-hmm. It actually does seem to have a connection to the comic origins of the rings, but we'll have to see about that, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and oh yeah, the other interesting thing I thought was like, actually, well, okay, so in the comics, we find out that Shang-Chi's father is the villain the mandarin but obviously for the movie they had to change that quite a bit because of course as you know in case anybody wasn't familiar the mandarin is basically marvel's reinterpretation of fu manchu which is of course a grossly racist stereotype of chinese men so yeah that's not gonna work okay um I thought it was interesting that not only did they do a change for his father, but actually they did the same thing with his sister because I, you know, based on my little bit of research, I found out that like Shang-Chi does have a sister in the comics, but she's not a full blooded sister. She's actually a half sister that he, you know, they have the same father and she's also, she's actually a villain in the comics, this sister of his. And she occasionally will team up with her brother if it meant dealing with their father or dealing with like some other, you know, common enemy. But then she'll go back to do, you know, her own uh, involving criminal activity and stuff like that. So I thought it was kind of interesting that they gave this sister character similar uh background and similar traits but yet they still made her kind of different so yeah that's good i like it yeah definitely so it'll be interesting to see exactly how they're really going to um continue to tie in shang chi and the rings into the rest of the marvel cinematic universe especially now that they've opened the multiverse or they will be opening the multiverse, I should say. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, technically they've already done it with uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, No Way Home. 
but I haven't yeah. seen that yet. And that's not even technically, it's, te- it's what, technically a Sony picture? Yeah, so it's not even going to be on Disney+. Plus. Well, didn't I read somewhere that the first Spider-Man is now on Disney Plus or something? Did I make that up? I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm gonna have. I'm. I'm. A, I'm gonna go find out. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. Disney Basically, yeah. you know, I didn't go to the movie theater either. We're gonna have to wait. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like on TV. <laughs> yeah, because it's not. Gonna, most likely, won't be on Disney Plus. So, which stinks. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a couple movies that I want to see that I haven't seen because I just don't want to go to the movies. I just don't feel comfortable. Yeah, nope, it's yeah. not on, it's not on Disney Plus yet. I made it up. I apologize. That's okay. We there's like quite a bit of stuff we haven't gone to the theaters to actually watch yet. I mean like Eternals, we I didn't get a chance to watch Eternal yet, but not I will either. definitely Yeah. Eternals but, is now on Disney Plus, y'all. Yes. Yes. And we will eventually the other day. Yeah, we will eventually do a, another episode about that movie. Um Yes down the road uh, in a few weeks time but you know okay so before we close out as usual uh we have an email address where you can send us questions comments uh criticisms on how to improve our show um you can email us at three fates decide at gmail.com it's the title of our podcast all in one word and the three is spelt out and you can also reach us on Instagram at Three Fates Decide. The three is spelled out. And feel free to send us DMs. Let us know what you think. We love feedback. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time. And see what we're going to talk about. Because the three fates decide.